Hello there. Welcome to Talent and Growth. How are you? What's happening? What's going on in your world? Well, in our world, we're talking to Ben Eubanks, who is an author, a podcast host, a researcher, a data for, and an expert on all things talent acquisition, HR, AI, all that kind of good stuff we like to talk about right here on Talent and Growth. And I don't know how we managed to talk about so many different things in such depth over 27, 28 minutes or whatnot. Uh, we're talking about AI, the impact of it, how we can use it better, uh, what's to come in the future. And then we're talking about the talent acquisition trends report, which gives us lots of tangible advice as to how we can make our processes better, our candidate experience better, just be better overall. Uh, great chat with a great bloke. So here he is. Here's Ben. Just before today's episode, quick shout out to our partners at MetaView. MetaView is an absolute game changer. Recently, for a variety of reasons, I was unable to use MetaView just for a week or so. And it was a nightmare. I couldn't stand having to do screening calls without having my friendly, useful note-taking AI tool that makes my life so much easier. If you don't know, MetaView transcribes uh, interview calls and takes your notes for you and then summarizes it for you at the end and is just there for all the information you need to pull from that call in a really, really easy user face. It's just, it's just an absolute must have. There is no world where you can't or shouldn't be using this product. Take a look at it. Mention talent and growth. Uh, everyone gets their first five goes free. Metaview.ai. Here's today's chat. Ben, big welcome to Talent and Growth. How are we doing today? Hey, having a great day so far. How are you, Paul? I'm doing good, doing good. Great to have you on. Do you mind just telling us a bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So I'm a, a researcher, an author, and a speaker. I live in Huntsville, Alabama. You can hear the Southern twang. A little bit of my voice here I might say y'all in the conversation today. Um, but I, I spend my days doing research on the trends and best practices that set companies apart from the rest, doing a lot of research. We'll probably delve into that today but also looking at the technology tools, resources that HR and talent leaders use to support and serve candidates in the workforce. So we talked about 300 different vendors a year in that space, trying to keep tabs on who's out there, what they're doing, what the differentiators are. So I have a lot of fun doing that because I bring value back to all of my friends, all of our friends, Paul, in the, in the space that are doing the hard work every single day, trying to help them know something today to be smarter tomorrow than they were yesterday. I love it. I'm all about that. I'm all about the future of work and the future of recruitment. And, and, and as, as somebody who is so deeply involved in HR and AI, how do you see the intersection of these two fields shaping the future of recruitment? You know, it's I get so excited about AI that I have to like pull back a little bit intentionally on myself because I get excited about the technologies, the tools, the kind of the, the cool factor there. But when I was recruiting day to day, when I was doing the stuff, I was recruiting really tough positions like Black Hawk helicopter instructor pilots. One of the things that I realized is there's some great value in automation and intelligence technology and tools, but there's really no replacement for that person that cares deeply about the results and the impact they're trying to have. So I think that it's going to help enable those people that care to have a bigger impact. And it's going to help those people who are new to the field really expand their, their ability and um, augment their ability to reach and serve candidates. So that's what I'm most excited about is helping all of us out there that have this vision of what success looks like get closer to that result. Can you share some of the key takeaways from your recent book on AI and, and, and its impact on, on TA? Yeah, absolutely. So wrote a book a couple of years ago called Artificial Intelligence for HR. And the publisher came back, said, hey, would you do a second edition of that one? Anything written about technology obviously is a moving target. So even now, that one's probably got some stuff that could be updated in it. But one of the big things in the book, I really wanted to focus on 
What are these tools? How do they work? And how can we use those to elevate the experience we're providing to, again, the candidates, the employees that we serve? And so one of the things that we found in that in, in the research for that, putting it all together is there are so many tools around talent acquisition specifically, whether it's matching, sourcing, whether it's assessing, all the different pieces that we can touch in the candidate experience, the, the tools are out there and we could automate right now, snap your fingers. You can automate any part of it all the way up to here's your offer without a person being involved in that. But we find in the actual data and we actually survey candidates, we find that they're okay with it being used in some cases, but not all the way through. They're not comfortable with a company automatically just generating an offer letter to them. They want to feel like there's a human connection there too. And so what I find when I speak to HR leaders about this, when I speak to talent acquisition and recruiting leaders about this, they're kind of the same way. Like we're okay to automate some of this. We don't want to just blindly have an algorithm out there picking people and they show up at our doorstep. We want to have a say so there too. So what's good is those two things are aligned and the, yeah, I could go down the, the, all the rabbit, rabbit holes there to, to talk more about that. But really what, what I want people to hear is that the AI tools are, are great. They're interesting. They're helpful. There are some, some things to be uh, wary of overall, but I don't want anyone to hear like these tools are so great and they're doing all this stuff. And what's going to mean there's no work for us because I still think there's a lot of work and a lot of opportunity for us to step in and do the critical thinking to really apply compassion to think and uh, use curiosity to create better outcomes in hiring. All those things are on our plate. We can't hand those off or automate that piece. I, I've, I've certainly adopted um, plenty of AI tools in my day-to-day -day with my podcast and uh, and with my recruiting as well, and almost also with business development as well. But if you if you think back to nearly eighteen months ago when ChatGPT was first like released and you know released into the wild, and everyone was using it. Do you think that at that point we thought we'd be further ahead by now with it in terms of it using it as a tool? And do you think maybe we thought it might be more, we thought at that point it might be more revolutionary than it perhaps it has been? You know, I find that overall, if we're looking at the entire HR um, function as a spectrum, recruiters are on the far, like hairy edge of innovation. So recruiters have been more quick to adopt, have been more likely to use it, have been more likely to start adapting that into their processes, just like you mentioned, Paul. But overall, when I speak to an audience broadly of HR, sometimes those people are a little bit, a little bit more careful, a little more cautious, a little more unsure about it. In terms of, do I think it's going to change everything? I think for those people that are using it, they're seeing good benefits. It's not radically like, revolutionizing everything. When I speak to it, I'm like, would you like to save 40 hours in the next year? If you would like to save 40 hours of work, an entire work week, absolutely. You can do that right now by using it to automate some of these kinds of things you're doing already. And that's a great example for someone, but I don't say, would you like to put your feet up on the desk and, you know, go cruising for six months? It's not that level of revolutionary in terms of what chat GPT and some of the other generative AI tools can bring to the profession. But I do think there is value to it because when it strips away some of those things we find in the data is when this wave of automation comes through, whether it's digital like ChatGPT or mechanical automation 200 years ago, when that wave passes by, the skills that are left behind are those core human skills of work, which strangely are really hard to automate. It's really hard to give to an algorithm, like critical thinking. Like it's, it, An algorithm runs down a path. It's got parameters. It knows all the variables. It makes a decision at the end. Humans know that there's a lot more to decisions than just a right and wrong answer, usually for recruiters, especially the day to day we have. So anyway, I'm going down all these little fun, fun trails there. But overall, I think it's had the impact for people that leaned in. If you're someone out there listening in that you're like, I haven't tried it yet. That's what I'm going to encourage you to do as part of the conversation today. Give it a try. Give it a test. It, 
you can test it out for free. It doesn't cost you anything. If you want to pay for the pay for a premium, go for it. But just try it out. Just test it because you're going to be surprised at some of the opportunities that it can open up for you. In, in the context of talent acquisition, what what do you think would be the big steps forward next with AI that will kind of maybe change us even more what we're doing day to day? You know what's interesting? Uh, someone the other day introduced me to a tool that's being used by candidates to help them through interviews. And so mm. we're seeing candidates using tools like that. We're seeing uh, re- recent research shows that the majority of college graduates are using chat GPT to rewrite their resumes when they're applying for jobs. And so if they're using these things, like we're going to fall behind if we're not using something overall. So that's another reminder there. Um, some of the advancements that I'm really excited about. One of the ones I'll give you an example of that I, I'm super pumped about is uh, some companies call it 3D data. It's essentially, I can do a search deeper than just your resume. I can search the companies you've been at in the past and find details about you that may present you as a better candidate for this role. So if I'm hiring for a, a growth company, I need a CMO who's worked there for a, worked for a company that went from 10 million to 100 million in annual revenue. You can start searching for that with some of the tools out there now and find that kind of person versus just saying, we need a CMO. And then we have to do the hard work of digging through and saying, okay, well, they worked at this company. Oh, they're too small. They worked at this company. Oh, they're way too big and sifting through those things. So I think that kind of thing is really interesting to me because that gives us a more, more comfort, a higher quality of candidate when we're going to pursue those and a more targeted list when we're sourcing. So that kind of thing, I think it's really interesting. And the AI's enabling that because it's smart enough to start seeing some of those trends across the companies and help us to find those things. The other piece I'm really excited about that ties into one of the risks of AI is the companies that are making it more explainable, more transparent. So if I do a search and it says, okay, here are 50 candidates in your database that are that are the, the best fit for this role out of the 5,000 in your list. In the past, it was just, okay, I guess those 50 are, are good. I don't know. And now increasingly, many of the tools are saying, okay, here's the top 50, 35% of these worked at a very close competitor. 25% of these have at least five years of experience doing this type of job. So start giving some reasons why that person's on the list. So it gives you more comfort as an employer, as a recruiter, that that decision, that that recommendation it's giving you is one that you can stand on and not be like, hopefully this isn't biased, crossing your fingers, closing your eyes and just you know, moving forward to that conversation. So that kind of thing, I think, gives us more more confidence in the decisions we're making day to day, makes them more predictable overall. And who among us would not want hiring to be a little bit more predictable? Yeah, I love that. That's some really interesting uh, things to look forward to there. And you mentioned about um, there's some AI, which is helping candidates get through interview processes, things like yeah. that. I, I heard a little while ago uh, on Recruiting Brain Food, I think, about a, an app called Cheetah, which was for um, to help technical candidates get through uh, live technical tests. You have it running live and it will help you get through any technical tests online, um, which made me think um, with that, do you, there, there's almost an, a, a world where you could see AI actually pushing people back to be doing things face-to-face rather than remotely or um, rather, you know, just face-to-face meetings and stuff becoming more prevalent, which is kind mm-hmm. of ironic given that AI is meant to kind of take those elements away, isn't it? It's funny because that's the first thing I thought of too. When when all of our friends were in the education world, uh, ChatGPT became a thing. All the students started using it for writing their papers, and they're like, okay, from now on, we're going back to oral exams and the same kind of thing. Like we we have to find a workaround for this. Um, like there's a, there's a challenge here. One of the conversations I've been having with some talent leaders is when do we have to disclose to our own team, our own leadership, that we're using this to support our work? 
If it's just mm-hmm. helping us with some outreach for candidates, probably not a big deal. But if it's doing something else that my performance is being judged on as a talent acquisition executive or, or as, a, as a recruiting as a sorcerer, if I'm using it and it's affecting my performance or something else, like when do I have to disclose that? So there's all these really weird nuances about what does this mean for us and how is this going to redefine how we talk about it at work? Um, do we say, hey, this was partially assisted with ChatGPT, like the little uh, little footer that most people have on their emails. It's like, hey, I wrote this with an iPhone, forget the fat fingered typos or whatever else. Like, we're we going to have the same kind of thing in other messages and other ways we're communicating just to be more transparent about it. Or is it a thing no one cares about? They only care about the outcome. I'm not sure. But there's there's a lot of really interesting and sticky questions in that that are yet to be answered. I wonder if these conversations were happening when the internet came out, you know, where people think, well, I need to declare I use the internet or or, do I need to mention I use Wikipedia, that kind of thing, you know? (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, With, um, how how can small and medium-sized enterprises effectively implement AI in in their TA strategies and what benefits would you expect them to be able to see? So I'll, I'll be very honest here for a long time. When the, when the first edition of the book came out, I talked a lot about these kind of tools and some of the ones I mentioned already, and those are really for larger enterprise organizations. For a long time, I could see it steadily coming down market, becoming more available to smaller and mid-sized companies, but it was kind of slow going. With the advent of ChatGPT and some tools like that, it suddenly put that power into the hands of anyone that's willing or interested to, to use them. So I think that's my biggest recommendation. If you are sole person running TA or you're a recruiter on a very small team or you don't have a lot of people around you or in a small organization and you're like, how do I get access to some of these things? That's my biggest recommendation. So I've been using that I've, when I've been coaching recruiters on this. I'm like, listen, there's all kinds of things you can use as prompts if you're using ChatGPT or Google's Bard, one of those tools. Like you can you can do anything from help me write outreach emails to candidates to rejection emails to candidates. Help me advocate for a new applicant tracking system. The one we're using is old and broken and terrible help write uh, a convincing email to my leadership team about why we should invest in this and give me some, some data points on that. It can do that. Um, one of the ways I've actually tested it, you can use some of the plugins that are in ChatGPT, and you can say, here's a, here's a table of people that I found online. It's a, for the one I was looking at was a list of doctors that worked in this different areas. Download this list, put it in CSV format with their content information, and it can go ahead and pull that in. ChatGPT can do that for you and help you create this list to start doing outreach for potential openings you have. So that kind of thing is very possible right now today with the with the tools that we have and can give uh, the leaders out there that are they're looking for an edge or looking for a way to test this out, a way to do that. That's, that's pretty safe and pretty risk-free. I'm not telling you, here's let's put all our candidates in and ask to pick one. Right. It's pretty low risk to say, give me an outreach message. Give me a way to reach out. Give me a, some of these kinds of things are just starting points. And it allows you to tailor and adjust that based on your own style, your own tone, your own company culture, all those kind of things. Do you think that there was a, maybe a big surge towards ChatGPT um, and, and over maybe the six months after it was launched? And then maybe kind of people have maybe stepped away from it now because it maybe hasn't. I don't know, maybe they don't realize it can do all the things that, that we know about. Maybe there needs to be a bit more of a re-education piece on it. That's a really good question. I think the the people who are at the very cutting edge, like I mentioned, recruiters in general are, and then even within recruiters, there's this this spectrum of those who are on the, like the sourcers who are like, I will try anything if it helps you find one more candidate that someone else can't find. Like sourcers mm-hmm. are very much on the edge of that. Someone who's doing full life cycle recruiting for a company usually doesn't have the time to get really in the weeds with the tools and stuff like that. I do believe that there's this, there was this sort of ebb and then flow. And one of the problems I think with that is you kept seeing these lists like, oh, well, here's, 
here's a hundred prompts. No, here's 500. Here's a thousand prompts you could use. And that just gets, that just makes your head swim. It's so hard mm. to follow with that. It's hard to, to know what to do next and you just get lost in it. And so you're like, ah, too many. There's an experiment done years ago by economists and they put up a jelly or jam um, display in a store. And what they found is if they gave you like dozens of options, people would look at it and just walk on by. If they gave you just a handful of options, people are like, oh, I want to try this one out. And so when we have lots of options at our disposal, our brains like lock down and can't make a decision and we just skip over it. So when I talk about this, when I'm talking to leaders about this, like, listen, I'll give you five to 10. I'll make them across the spectrum. So all of them are, some of them are recruiting. Some of them may be learning and training. Some of them may be benefits and core HR, but really trying to look at the, the full spectrum and find something that you can latch onto, something relevant to your work. That's my recommendation. The other piece on this, and I didn't mean for this whole conversation to be ChatGPT related, but the other piece of education on this that I really advocate for is think about it this way. You all heard the iceberg metaphor that what you see above the water surface is the small part. What's below the surface is the bigger mass. And the problem with a lot of the lists of, oh, here's a prompt to use is it's just looking at that very top tip of the iceberg. I want to know what's below. And the people listening in to me right now, you hear my voice, you know what your processes are. You know what a good workflow looks like, what a good candidate experience looks like. And so when you're thinking through this, don't do, I just need one thing. Think about what's next after that. Okay, I'll ask that next question. Okay, what's after that? I'll ask that next question. An example that I give when I'm talking about training is if I just ask for a curriculum for training, I'm not done. I need to do other things. I need an icebreaker activity. I also need a follow-up survey. I need an email that's going to get them excited about this. It's promoting and marketing the event. Like Think about all those kinds of things that you have to do. Don't just do one thing and stop. Think about what's next after that, because that's what your expertise allows you to do. And you get more benefit from this than some random untrained person who's using ChatGPT to try to be a recruiter. They can't beat you if you are using your knowledge of that. Okay, right. Let's step away from ChatGPT, should we? Let's okay. talk about uh, the Talent Acquisition Trend Study, which does exactly what it says in the tin. It's a substantial, substantial sorry, you me to say, annual research effort. What are some of the standout insights from the latest study, and how can organisations leverage these insights effectively as we head into well into 2024? Excellent. So we have actually surveyed more than 2,500 candidates. I just double checked the number a little bit ago. In the last two years, more than 3,000 recruiting leaders and including some of the people here, potentially, uh, we survey globally. And so I love pulling the stuff in, but I'm not a research nerd that just like, here's all this random stuff that doesn't help. It's really focused on the practical nature. What call outs, what ideas can we use, can you use to make better decisions? And so, for example, one of the things last year we, we dove into was ghosting. We wanted to look at the cost of that, what drives that, why do candidates do that and what can we do about it? So on the candidate side, and we're surveying them, why do you ghost employers? Here's a quick snippet from the research. The number one reason candidates tell us that they apply for a job and then back out is because they, once they found out more about the job or the company, they weren't interested anymore. And all of us are going to say, hallelujah to that, right? We are so glad because we don't want to get three conversations deep and find out, oh, the candidate's not even interested in this. I've got to go back out and start fishing again. So we're glad they opt out there. But is there something we could do to educate them on the front end a little bit more so they don't opt in, so they don't apply for that job, to make it a little bit more difficult for them? The top, the second and third reasons that candidates ghost employers in the data, number two is the hiring process was too, sorry, number two is I took another job. Number three is the hiring process was too long and complicated. And so those two answers, if we wrap them together, come down to speed. 
if we're going to be more quick about this, if we can speed up the process, we can minimize and mitigate some of the risk of ghosting for the top, for two of the top three reasons that candidates tell us that they back out of the hiring process. And a fun fact here, if you are hiring for a company that has frontline workers, people who are working in retail and warehouse and all those kinds of things, if you're working in that kind of space, when we ask those candidates, why do you ghost employers? The number one answer for them in our latest research was, I don't see advancement opportunities. It's another dead end job. I'm just going to get stuck in this until I quit or leave or they fire me because there's no other opportunities to grow here. So if you are working in that kind of space, that's the top reason those candidates tell us they ghost employers in the hiring process. So if you want to solve for that, talk about the opportunities you have. Talk about what it takes to move to the next level. Tell stories about your employees when you share some of your, your content in the recruiting funnel about this was, a, this was one of our people that started here and now they're there. They moved up in the organization and really play those stories up because it sets you apart from every other company that's just asking them to come and work in this job until, again, they get fired or they quit because there's no other opportunity to grow. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's something I, I do when I'm working with clients on sourcing. Uh, as, you know, I'll be talking salary. Uh, what's the working conditions like in terms of remote work and things like that? And what's mm-hmm. the next step? They take this job. What's the next step after that? You've got That's part of the sell. You have to include that today, 100%. Yes. Yes, absolutely. The, that's one of the things candidates tell us in the research, by the way. they One of the top things they want to know is what's the company like? What's the team like they're going to be working in, the culture? But also, what does the hiring process look like? If you are out there and like, we, we have nothing else to tell them. We've told them everything about the job there is to tell them. Then just tell them about the hiring process. Hey, we have a three-step process. Once you get, if you get a callback, here's what happens next. You can expect this. And generally the time frame from that to an actual interview would be this. Just let them know what that process looks like. And that helps to, they know if they're still up for consideration or not. When we ask candidates about um, the question that every recruiter kind of gets a little bit annoyed by because it happens so often is what's the status of my application? We ask candidates, how often do you want to get an update on that? We give them this range of choices. And the number one answer is on demand immediately, whenever I want it. And so there's a, the, the more we can teach them about what that process looks like and what's next and what happens after that, the more they're going to feel like they have at least an understanding or an awareness of that. They'll feel more control. Even if they still control nothing, they feel more control because they know what some of those other variables are in the equation. Is there any other advice based on the, uh, the, the study that you give organizations which should you know, help companies uh, navigate the dynamic nature of the job market? All right, I'm going to give you four. Okay, four quick Please, ones. So if yeah. someone's listening and you're like, I need some good, some good practical takeaways, here's four for you. Okay, number one, when we talk flexibility as employers, we often think remote work only. That's the only thing we think of. And we ask the actual workforce, we ask candidates, what does flexibility mean to you? Where I work is number four or five on the list. Now, if you're in like the tech space or in some jobs, obviously it's going to be higher. But overall, it's not the top thing. The number one item on that list was when I work, Number two was having choices in how I do my work day to day. So they may still be accountable for the what, the actual responsibilities and the the requirements, but how they do that, let's give them a little leeway, a little autonomy in their work. By the way, that's different for men and women. Number one for men was the, I want choices in my work uh, and uh, how I do it. Number two, or the number one for women was when I work, a little more control and the flexibility. The other options of flexibility, though, come down to growth opportunities, like we just mentioned a minute ago. Talk through what's how do you develop, how do you grow at this company, uh, choices in the benefits you have access to, choices in the training you have access to. So talk about those kind of things because those are what flexibility means. Even if you're in, like I mentioned a minute ago, the, the frontline example, if you're serving those employees, you can't 
drive a forklift from a couch. You can't serve a customer, you know, as a cashier from your own house. That doesn't happen. So these things give you a chance to talk about flexibility in ways that matter to those people. So number two, um, give them a reason to care. When we did this experiment last year, we actually gave candidates multiple job ads to pick from. We'd give them choices, an A-B test. And what we found is when we give them a choice on things like a job ad with pay, pay range on it, or those without, obviously they prefer the ones with pay ranges. 85% of the time they prefer that. We gave them another choice. We said, okay, here's two different job ads. The only difference is one of them says we're a market leader in XYZ industry. The other one says we are serving people around the world, bring them healthy food. And here's our, here's the, like the mission of the company. That one, the second one, the one that talked about the mission and the impact they're having on the world and the people around them, two out of three times candidates preferred that one. And those two examples I just gave you, like that one and the pay one, that cost us nothing to put that information out there. There's no cost to it. And if it increases the click-through rate from candidates off the bat, what a great place to start. Okay, number three here, video. When we talk about using video during the hiring process, not video interviewing, but video as a piece of content, we find that video on a job description, job ad on the web, on the internet does better. That performs better than one without it. But what we find from candidates, we ask them, what kind of video do you want to see? We give them options. The thing they want to see the least is something from HR and recruiting. Right, right above that, like still no interest at all is that corporate culture video that all of us spend so much time and effort and money producing. The thing they want to see most is either the hiring manager or someone else like them at the company talking about what it's like working there. And even if the content isn't fundamentally different from what's in the actual job description, if it's 30 seconds shot on someone's phone, they don't care. They just want to feel like they know something more about the job or the company or the team to make them feel more comfortable about applying. What's wild is the there's actually, based on the wording we're using in those questions, the they prefer something that's a little more authentic. Ben grabbed his phone and shot this video and talked about it while he was on the shop floor over something that's very polished and very corporate and markety feeling. So they prefer that one. Right. And then the last one here, to wrap these all together, everything I've just said in the last two or three minutes, put those things together into how you communicate with candidates. Share those things in your job ads. Share those things in your outreach emails. Share those things when you're putting together a text message campaign to people. Talk about some of these kind of things because it helps to set you apart from other employers out there who are not doing this. And this is so simple. And yet the data back this up, that this is a powerful way to connect with candidates. And a lot of companies aren't yet doing it in a systematic sort of way. Love that for rapid fire data driven piece of advice, which uh, we can all use in our company. So given, given the fast paced changes in tech and the job market, how can organizations ensure they, they stay ahead of the curve and they know what's, what to do and what not to do? Oh, goodness. Well, I can say this with a straight face because our research is free. It doesn't cost anything, but I would say use the, use the research, use the data, the things I've just shared, like those sorts of things give you real insight into the candidates that are out there. If you're not already doing surveys and follow-ups and feedback, you know, gathering with your candidates to understand what the, what the process is like, what you can do to improve it, the kind of data that we're giving in this sort of context is super helpful because it tells us overall what the candidates are looking for, what they need and how we can serve them better. It would, can we, give them everything they're asking for? Probably not. Can we give all of them a job? Absolutely not. But can we make the process a little more streamlined? Can we make it a little more helpful? Can we mitigate ghosting? Can we use some of these things to, to create better outcomes overall for us? Like I said earlier, more predictability in our hiring. That's a thing that we should all celebrate. We want some predictability so we know what to expect. We don't want it to be 
all over the place. It creates chaos and it makes it really hard for us to do our jobs well. We end up picking someone who we think may not be the best candidate because we're so pressured to fill all these other wrecks that are around us. So that would be my encouragement there. The other thing is always be learning. When I got into HR, what feels like forever ago, there was a gentleman that I followed named Christopher Nandy. And one of his key tenets of good HR was always be experimenting. Treat your employees like guinea pigs. Treat your candidates like guinea pigs. Always be testing something out. Those examples I gave a little bit ago on the job ads that we were testing out, the A-B test, like that sort of thing lets us figure out what's working and how we can adjust and adapt and change to meet the needs of our people and to meet the needs of the candidates that we're trying to serve. We're not just moving them along an assembly line and throwing them an offer and getting them out. We want them to feel like this is a good experience because we want them to tell other people about this. What we see in the data is that when people have a good experience, they are willing to tell others about it. And when they work for a company that makes them feel like they are respected and appreciated, the same thing is true. Boiling all that down, if you forget everything else I've said, when we ask candidates, what is the number one way a company can see, uh, can show you respect during the hiring process? The number one way they can do that is to see the candidate's potential. See them for what they can do, not just what they've done, but what they can do in the future. That's what they want most from employers. And so we're looking for people, looking for good talent, trying to find the right skills, see the potential in people and believe in them. And that's what they want the most. Love it, Ben. What a great way to finish. Uh, we've ra- we've uh, managed to fit a lot. Well, you've managed to fit a lot into this last 27 minutes. So thank you for that. <laughs> Where can people get uh, the talent acquisition trend study? Where can they download it? So if you go to LHRA dot io slash access that'll get you into our research library you can download anything that you want to in there case studies reports graphics full of the data all that good stuff and we'll be having our new study coming out very soon so lots of good content there and would love for anybody to reach out on linkedin as well if they have a question or need need to find that i'm happy to point them in the right direction fantastic thanks ben thanks so much for being a part of talent and growth thank you so much for inviting me appreciate the opportunity